Hey there, future fans. This week, skateboarding may not be a crime, but forgery and murder still are. It's the week of October 19th, 2018, and this is episode 109 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show welcome welcome i'm being classy today so instead of sipping on a gin and juice i'm sipping on a gin and tonic a variation of one created by Anne. she put in a little um lavender bitters into it the lavender really complements the floral notes of the gin which is a fancy way of saying it's tasty i am recording an episode earlier than ever this week it is right now it's the 12th so it's the week of the last episode and that is because next week is the spookathon it is something my wife and i are taking part in this is a reading challenge from a group of youtubers books and lala and bookerly and it just seemed pretty cool uh and brought it up and we we both like reading and even though it seems right right up my alley even though Stephen King is one of my favorite authors. I don't read a lot of spooky books, so I thought, why not? Why not take part in this? So this is a seven-day event going from this coming Sunday. That is Sunday the 14th going all the way until Saturday the 20th at midnight, and you have to read five books. And if you're interested, check out the 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 Spookathon on Books and Lala or Bookerly and then take part. Join us in this. But that is why I'm doing this early, because I read slow. And actually, I am incorrect and just uh, corrected me. It's actually Monday to Monday. It's October 15th through the 21st. We're just starting Monday at midnight because we're gigantic nerds. Okay, I'm not the slowest reader, just compared to her, I am, and um, I just like to get a couple extra days in, or not a couple extra days, but just as much time as I can. So I'm doing this episode early to focus on that, and interestingly enough, one of the books I want to read is something that Critter has talked about before on, um, on the Watch Your Mouth podcast, on the book episode, is a book called Meddling Kids by Edgar Cantero, and it's kind of, uh, I think it's worth checking out. I haven't read it yet, but he gives his thumbs up, and then, of course, I'll write a review when I'm done. But it's kind of like the aftermath, or, I mean, the adult life of these kids who, when they were kids, were in a in kind of a Scooby-Doo type group where they solve, they were famous for solving mysteries in their area along with their dog, but now they're all adults. And then something about the mysteries they had solved, uh, one in particular didn't sit right with them. So they all come back together to try and figure out what it was. But anyway, this is a podcast about movies, not books. I don't have a book podcast, at least not yet. Of course, that would be harder for me. It'd have to be like bi-monthly. But I'll tell you what, if the podcast and the blogging ever starts paying the bills, and I'm going to, you are going to hear a book podcast but anyway let us get on with the housekeeping so we can jump into the news 
You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app. And who am I? I am Billiam. This is Future Flakes with Billiam. And on this show, I go over every movie that's coming out during the week, and I break them up into two categories. The first is the limited releases. Those are movies that aren't getting wide releases and also didn't interest me enough. And the second group is the wide releases and interesting indies, which is exactly what it sounds like. Those are movies that are either wide releases or those indie movies that just caught my eye. So either I have a lot of good things to say about it or it pissed me off so bad I just have to release a string of swearing. And in my defense, more often than not, if a indie movie makes it into the wide release section, it's good. It's good. I just want to point that out. That is that is a point for me. Go me. You can listen to the other great podcasts on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. That is Somewhat Nerdy Radio, a bi-weekly fantastic nerd podcast that I would listen to even if I didn't work for them. And the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast, my favorite wrestling podcast, because you know what? I'll be honest, I've listened to a few, and theirs is the best one. And you can get in contact with me a few different ways. You can email me. That's BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can leave, leave an up to the minute, up to the second comment. You can leave a comment on the Someone Nerdy website or Facebook page. And you can answer the question of the week there on any of those ways I mentioned or just say, hey, Billiam, what's up? What are you what are you watching? What movies have you watched recently? What do you recommend or anything? Just say hi. I'll say hi back. And somewhere right now Brian Q is going the f he will. He'll say he'll say hi back after a couple days, which you know that may that may be true, but I will always respond. Hopefully, unless I forget. But let's walk out of this housekeeping and into the first segment, which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood. The news. You know what, folks? Just because I'm doing this so early, I'm going to say the same thing I said a couple weeks ago, that if I miss something, it's not because I'm, I either didn't care or I'm just doing a sloppy job. It's just that I recorded this on Friday the 12th. So if anything has big, anything really big happens, maybe I'll record a special extra thing and put it in the show. But if I think it can wait, it will probably have to wait until next week. But as always, if you don't want to take the chance, you can go, hey, Billiam, did you hear about this story? And then I, either I will tell you, no, I did not. Thank you. Thank you, my friend, for that. Or I'll go, oh, I did. I'm waiting for next week. But thank you. Thank you for contacting me. It means so much. And a little tear will go down my eye. But anyway, we're in the news. Hollywood Reporter has some Black Panther news. Ryan Coogler is returning to Black Panther. He was the director and co-writer of the first film, and he has signed on for the next film. So yay! Marvel had already planned on doing a sequel before the first film was even released, so they didn't even know what a monster hit it would be. And their their plan was to hold on to as much of the created, creative team as possible. Coogler is expected to start working on this script either late next year or early 2020. We know that there are many Marvel movies in the works, or at least unofficially planned, but as far as official goes, there has been nothing announced past the next Avengers and Spider-Man movies. And what does that mean? That that really doesn't mean much. We know that uh, Marvel is a really, really big part of Disney. We know that their movies always do well. We know that they, even the worst Marvel movie is still pretty good. 
But in an absolute worst case scenario, what this means is that any of these movies that have just been being talked about can always be canceled. But of course, that's always a fact. Remember that Johnny Depp movie I've mentioned quite a few times about the investigation into the death of Biggie Smalls? That movie was already completed and was a week away from being released when it was yanked from the release schedule. And how many times had uh, the latest Amityville movie been pulled from the schedule and push forward and push forward and push forward until it was finally given a limited release and then sent straight to DVD. So just remember, whenever you hear something like that, where Disney, especially Disney, and especially about one of their biggest franchises, says that they have nothing officially planned, it doesn't really mean much. It just means that they don't have a set release date. It's not going to be on the official future MCU release date yet. But Black Panther 2 is happening. It will happen unless something really f***ed up happens the movie will happen and of course black panther responsible for one of my favorite villains in comic book movie history and he was great because he was such a complex villain and that he had a point in fact one of my favorite villains in movie history right up there next to javier bardem's uh, skyfall bad guy and I know this isn't going to be a very popular answer, but Timothy Oliphant in Live Free or Die Hard. Well, until there's an official announcement, Coogler is acting as executive producer for the LeBron James Space Jam 2 and has already worked on Creed 2. In more Marvel news, still from The Hollywood Reporter, Scarlett Johansson has a $15 million payday for a Black Widow standalone movie. $15 million is exactly what Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth earned for their roles in the standalone movies in their uh, standalone movies, as well as the latest Avengers film. This is not just big news because it's another female standalone comic film or that a woman is making that much for a standalone film. The fact is, Marvel usually doesn't pay that much for a character's first standalone movie. It doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, doesn't matter how big the character is, they normally don't pay that much for a first outing. The only reason I'm thinking, well, there are a few reasons that they probably gave Scarlett Johansson a lot of money for this, is that we already, we're already very familiar with Black Widow. She has been in a lot of the MCU movies, but has never had her own standalone film. And also, she's a woman getting a standalone film, so they probably want to go, oh, look, we're equal. We are part of this movement, which from Disney, I think, comes from both a place of honesty where they honestly support these these movement these women and just uh, women getting paid equally and the fact that they know that any negative press around the handling of a female lead movie will just look poorly upon them my hopes for this movie is that they find scarlett johansson some emotions that would be great did you read the trailer spoiler for Avengers 4? Well, don't worry. I won't read it here, so there's no spoiler warning needed. Though if you want to read it, it's in plenty of places online, so some simple Google foo on your part will help. But there are rumors floating around back and forth about this trailer, both backing up the trailers, the, the spoilers claim that it's real and saying that it's already been debunked as a fake. So check it out if you want to. I read it. There, there doesn't seem to be, it's not a big deal. I'll be honest, reading what's supposed to be in the trailer did nothing for me. Like, I give zero shits about it. If I saw it, if you showed me this, then it would be badass. And the good thing is that if you're not sure if you're on the fence, just read it. Because there's there doesn't seem to be any big spoilers for the movie. Because let's face it, Marvel does a really good job with their trailers. They do a good job of not spoiling too much. Even when even in these trailers, when they show you parts of the movie that are in the end... 
like like how the Black Panther trailer showed some of the final fight scenes in the movie. It still wasn't obvious. And you're like, oh, well, I've seen the whole movie now. But yes, all of that information is out there if you care. And do you remember my rant about Hester Shaw's character in the Mortal Engines movie and how she's not horribly disfigured as she's supposed to be? Well, I'm not the only one. There was supposedly an online petition to change how she looks because that's a logical thing to ask for, especially after filming has wrapped. But I'm not here to make fun of the internet activists and their petitions because sometimes the, their petitions make sense. It just it happens to be this time it made no sense, though I do 100% agree with their their reasoning for it. Instead, what I'm here to do is talk sh- on Christian Rivers' response. He is the director and he said, and I quote exactly, it's fine in the book for Hester to be described to be, okay, that was worded awkwardly, but I'm, I'm quoting exactly here. It's fine in the book for Hester to be described to be ugly, hideous, and have lost a nose because even that, you reimagine it in your own minds as, okay, yeah, she's ugly, but she's not really ugly. Tom falls in love with her, and film is a visual medium. With a book, you can take whatever you want and reimagine it in your head and put together your own picture. And when you put it on film, you are literalizing it. You are making it a literal thing. So it was just finding a balance where we needed to believe that Tom and Hester fall in love. And her scar does need to be disfiguring enough that she thinks she's ugly. It can't be just a little scratch. But I think we've struck a good balance of it. He goes on to say, I think if you literally made the scar how it is in the book, you wouldn't be able to watch the film with anything other than being totally distracted all the time by the scar. In a way, we had to make the scar, as Christian said, bold enough that it fits her personality. She's affected by it, but we didn't want it to just totally overwhelm her character. End quote. What the actual f- is he saying? Has he watched The Elephant Man? You f***ing idiot. The author of this slash film article that I read, uh, Howie Tron Bui, I'm probably saying her name completely wrong, but whatever. She brought up a really good point. Last year, we had an Academy Award winning movie about a woman falling in love with a f***ing fish man. A woman falling in love with a fish man. But a man falling in love with a disfigured woman is too much to believe. Are you kidding me? And I just wanted to point out this this is setting a double standard on both for both genders, okay? For both for both sexes, men and women. A double standard that A, a woman can't be super ugly like and disfigured and have someone fall in love with them and be a man then would be so shallow that he couldn't look past that so i don't know how much the author of the book philip reeve had to how, how much of a hand he had in picking the cast and even if he did had a have a say in it there's no saying how much power he actually had but this author wrote a story that showed us Something we should have already known, that that love is more than looks. That, yes, in the book, this main character, the main male character, couldn't help but stare at her disfigured face for, like, the first half of it. And then after they spent all this time together, and after they got to know each other, then he was in love with her, despite the fact that she was missing a nose and had this huge burn scar on her face. And Anne just brought up the movie Penelope, if you remember that, where Christina Ricci was half pig. I think the I think the director of this film, I, I think that Christian Rivers was just taking the easy way out. I think he just wanted someone pretty in the role. He didn't care about what the story said. And now that there's backlash because of this, he's just trying to find some idiotic way out and he's just looking like kind of a piece of shit. But let's get that bad taste out of our mouth and put something better in our mouth. 
And that's this news that's also from Slash Film. We have a picture from the set of the new Men in Black movie starring Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. The pictures show the two MIB agents in their signature suits traversing the desert with black umbrellas and it looks like Hemsworth, his character, isn't quite enjoying the jaunt. Thompson and Hemsworth, of course, have already worked with each other on Thor Ragnarok and the upcoming Avengers film. There's no set release date or plot for the spinoff, but we do know some things. We know some other things. We know that Emma Thompson plays another agent, and Rebecca Ferguson, Liam Neeson, and Kumail Nanjiani are also in the cast. This is being directed by one of my favorite directors, F. Gary Gary, who directed The Italian Job, The Fate of the Furious, Straight Outta Compton, and Law Abiding Citizen. Also, F. Gary Gary, the owner of one of my favorite names ever. And that is it for the news, at least the news that happened before Friday. So let's take a trip. Will you come with me into the trailer trove? Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. All right, we have a first look at Pet Cemetery, and I am very excited. I, I really liked the original movie back in 1989, but this one looks a lot better. It is set to star Jason Clark, John Lithgow, and Amy Samitz. I have never read the book, or did I? I may have been I may have been middle school when I read. It. I read a lot of Stephen King when I was a kid, because you know that's what that's what you want your child to be reading. Ah, no, my family was just happy I could, I would, I could read. My family was just happy that I was reading. Like, that was one of the few things my grandfather, when I was growing up, would always buy me. If I wanted a book, he would buy it. And that's kind of the parent and grandparent I want to be. My daughter or son wants a book? Yeah, here you go. Depending on the book. If they want Fifty Shades of Grey, they can wait until they're out of the house, all right? But any, most anything else, sure, go ahead, Read. Fill that mind with words. Anyway, this film is being released on April 5th, 2019. The trailer looks good. Check it out. Disney released its first teaser trailer for next year's live-action Aladdin, and I'm happy. I am very happy with what I've seen. We've got a first look at Mena Masad, who is playing Aladdin, and I don't think I could have picked anyone better. The only other characters we saw were a brief glimpse of Iago, and we heard the Cave of Wonders speaking. No, actually, we saw the Cave of Wonders. Okay, so we, we did see the Cave of Wonders. If you know the original movie, then you know we saw a brief glimpse of Jafar's back. But for a teaser trailer, I must say that I am very happy with it. it was, it's more than we usually get from a teaser trailer, but it didn't show us too much. It wasn't enough to be considered a full-on trailer. This Guy Ritchie adaptation looks promising, and it's said to come out May 24th, 2019. We got a first look at Asa Butterfield's new film called Time Freak, and it seems like a modern reworking of Click, but adds elements of about time into it. Asa Butterfield plays Stillman, a guy who just got his heart broken, so he does what any normal person would do. He makes a time machine and takes his best friend Evan back in time so he can do everything over again and get it right. This looks very cute, and also co-stars Sophie Turner, you know, the actress I always say bad things about. Well, it looks like we found a type of character she can play besides Sansa. I think that's how you say her Game of Thrones character, right? Because I like her in Game of Thrones. I think I'm going to like her in this. Everything else so far just... But this looks like she can play a normal girl really well. She looks good in this film. Just add Skylar Xando to the mix. He plays the neighbor and friend in um, Santa Clarita Diet. And he is hilarious. If you haven't watched Santa Clarita Diet, do it. It is one of my favorite comedies just because everyone's comedic timing is on point. Drew Barrymore and Timothy Oliphant as a married couple is fantastic. 
anyway, so with this cast, with this topic, with this, with this plot, we have a reliable rom-com that comes out November 9th. It doesn't look like something you'll have to see in theaters because it just doesn't look that great, but it looks enjoyable. Something to watch after, something to put on your shelf. And then remember every, like once a year, go, oh yes, I own that movie. That was a good movie. We should watch it. Glass has a new trailer, and I'm so excited that if I had a time machine like Stillman did, I would jump forward to watch it. This trailer just showed us more without spoiling anything besides, yes, they all escape, which we kind of already knew. Unless it's all flashbacks, which, which I highly doubt, because just because they show people escaping, but it could have been from a different facility, we don't know. And we know that we eventually see a showdown between Bruce Willis and James McAvoy's Beast. We see the... McAvoy character doing more of his creepy multiple personality thing, but how much of that actually takes place and how much of it is in flashbacks. The countdown is ticking. We only have three months to watch or rewatch Unbreakable and Split to get ready for Glass. This comes out January 18th, 2019. This is going to be awesome. And with that, the trailer trove comes to an end. So let us take a break to hear a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the somewhat nerdy radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, welcome back. It is time for the limited releases. This time, we have quite a few limited releases and a ton of documentaries. That is a metric ton. We're not on the Imperial system here. Metric ton. All right, well, let's start out with a film that I forgot to write down the title for, so let me look it up. All right, I am back. Quality notes here. Quality podcasting. Quality podcasting. All right. The first film in the limited release section is a film called Change in the Air. When a beguiling young woman moves in next door, a quiet neighborhood is awakened, bringing people face to face with their secrets and ultimately themselves. But who is Ren and why does she get so much mail? Where does she go on her daily walks? And why do the police want to talk to her so badly? This stars Rachel Brosnahan, I think, from The Marvelous Miss Maisel. You know, I've heard a lot about that show and I've never even tried to watch an episode. Maybe I should. I've heard good things. Olympia Dukakis from Steel Magnolias. Aiden Quinn from Legends of the Fall. Seth Gilliam from The Walking Dead. M. Emmett Walsh from Critters. Satya Baba from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And singer Macy Gray from Domino. This movie doesn't look bad per se. It just looks like a a really good Lifetime original movie. Like if the Lifetime Network made this movie, I may consider watching it. But just I, I expect better quality from our theater films, so I cannot support this. Let's get the documentaries out of the way. We have one, two, three, four, five. First one is from Horn from the Heart, the Paul Butterfield story. This is a documentary about the life of legendary blues magician Paul Butterfield, a white harmonica player. And I don't think they put his... Okay, let me see if they did. Let me see if they put his his race in it. They did. They actually did. Uh, a white teenage, they said, harmonica player. I, I think the only reason I'm not going to make a big deal of them 
put like at purposely adding his race into it is the fact that it is blues and blues when you think of famous blues artists you think of black people anyway uh if you know who this person is maybe watch this next up is the price of everything this is a documentary about the contemporary art world and normally this would be my shit. this would be my jam i would be all about it i would be excited i would want to see it because i love contemporary art and actually, I, I changed my mind. Let me say that I couldn't recommend this even to art lovers because I couldn't find a trailer, but I did. They put one up on the website for this film. Uh, I wrote the notes for this on Thursday the 11th, and as of Thursday 11th, there were no trailers for this, even though it's coming out next Friday, but I found one, so I'm not going to assume all of you are as into art as I am. And I say into art as in I look at it, go, okay, that's cool, but I'm not a collector or I'm not able to look at a piece and go, oh, obviously this is, you know, so-and-so. But this looks interesting. It focuses a lot on how much modern art is sold for. People like um, Marilyn Minter and Gerhard Richter, their pieces... Like pieces of modern art that go for millions of dollars. There are houses that cost less than some of these pieces of art go for. Like, did you hear about that Banksy piece recently that was auctioned off and right when the gavel struck, it shredded itself? And luckily, the person who bought it says she's going to go through with the purchase, which she f***ing should because she bid on a Banksy piece. Like, you shouldn't bid on a Banksy piece and expect to get what you pay for. Anyway, I've talked about this more than I should have. The price of everything, everything looks good. It really does. But I'm keeping it, even after watching the trailer, keeping it in the limited release section because I don't know if you guys like art. I don't know. Next is On Her Shoulders. This is about Nadia Murad, a 23-year-old Yazidi woman who survived genocide and sexual slavery by ISIS. And this is her story. So you may have heard of this story. It made it made big news because not only did she survive this, but now she's speaking up, uh, speaking out against it. And that's a really brave thing to do. So just talking about something that happened, anything remotely close to that sexual slavery, rape, anything is is brave because it's hard. It's a hard thing to talk about. But let's add the fact that the perpetrators of this, the criminals are terrorists or ISIS who is known for going after people who speak out against them that is really brave too so not only is she telling her story which can't be easy but she's doing so when the people who are speaking uh, who she's speaking against could just try and assassinate her so you know I can't even imagine having that much strength uh, the next documentary is called American Deep State and I actually couldn't find a trailer for this one either so I looked again I did find one for the price of everything, but this one I can't find one for either. But let me take the synopsis directly from their website. For the first time in American history, American people see clearly the possibility that elected government have to surrender or abide by the rules set by the powerful Washington bureaucrats, also known as the Deep State. And it looks as if bureaucrats may be more powerful than the most powerful person on Earth, the United States President. So that foil hat conspiracy bullshit is, um, no, I'm going to have to say no, no, no. Let's not watch this. I mean, this sounds like the plot of a Tom of a Tom Clancy book. That's what it sounds like. And the final documentary is called The Advocates. This is a sweeping look at the history and causes of homelessness in Los Angeles and the work of the advocates who strive to create better lives for their homeless clients. 
So some of those documentaries, like The Price of Everything, which I think would be interesting, and On Her Shoulders, which is about a truly powerful topic, they look good. And who knows, maybe you are one of these people that American Deep State is is geared towards. Maybe you're like, I don't know, whatever crazy people say. But um, no, let's 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 not watch that one. Let's watch some of the other ones. If you want to watch a documentary this week, let's jump back into the limited non-documentary movies with a movie called The Guilty or in Denmark, Den Skylage, which I'm probably terribly mispronouncing. A police officer assigned to an alarm dispatch duty enters a race against time when he answers an emergency call from a kidnapped woman. So this just sounds like someone in Denmark wanted to remake that Halle Berry movie, The Call, and they did it. And this, the film looks okay, just not special enough to warrant seeing a foreign film that feels like a remake, so no. Next up this week, in the limited section, is a movie called The Amityville Murders. Guess what it's about? You know, I'm not even going to tell you, I'm not even going to tell you the premise, because it's the same premise as every other Amityville remake, and I don't, I don't see why they would make this. This was a low-budget horror movie, and low-budget horror movies could be fun. They could be a lot of fun and really good. But why this? Why go, I know, let's do a low-budget horror movie. Why not do another version of the Amityville horror, just not as well, and let's do it in the wake of that Amityville Awakening movie that almost didn't get released because no one wanted it. That, that sounds like a good idea. No, no, bad idea. This does have a couple famous people in it, or I say famous, but air quotes, John Robinson from Transformers and Paul Ben Victor from In Plain Sight. I may like the actor, but the guy has three first names. Christ. The next film is a movie called What They Had. Bridget returns home at her brother's urging to deal with her ailing mother and their father who is reluctant to let go of their life together. This stars Hilary Swank from Boys Don't Cry, Michael Shannon from Midnight Special, Robert Forster from Mulholland Drive, Blythe Danner from Meet the Parents, and Tysa Farminga from The Nun. And this almost made it into the wide release sections, with especially with a cast like that. That is a f***ing phenomenal cast. But the fact of the matter is, it just done. It just didn't look interesting. This looks like a movie that's been done before. It looks like if someone wanted to remake The Notebook, but instead of focusing on their relationship before, just on the Alzheimer's and growing old and dying part. Just that. It could be really good, just doesn't look interesting enough. Next up is a film called High Voltage. An emerging rock band strikes the deal of a lifetime, but tragedy strikes when their reluctant lead singer and her mother die in a lightning strike. Or does she? She later shows up alive with a new vigorous lease on life and a deadly kiss. This stars David Arquette from Scream, Luke Wilson from the Royal Tannenbaums, and Perry Reeves from Entourage. And watch the trailer. This looks f***ing stupid. Like, it looked fine just like this story of this emerging band until... This girl comes back from the dead after being struck by lightning and starts killing people with her electric kiss. This plot sounds like something Supernatural would do as a joke. Like, not even a serious episode, and this movie's taking it seriously. So yeah, skip this. Next up is a movie called Galveston. After escaping a setup, a dying hitman returns to his hometown of, guess where, Galveston, where he plans his revenge. Along for the ride is a young woman he saved during his setup who comes with baggage in the form of a little girl. This stars Ben Foster from 310 to Yuma, Elle Fanning from Maleficent, Bo Bridges from Stargate SG-1, and Lily Reinhardt from Riverdale. And with that, that is it for the limited releases this week. Let us take another break and this time hear a word from Nerds of the Squared Circle before we come back with a wide releases. Stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com 
Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, we are back. We are back with one, two, three, four, five, six movies in the wide release section. Let's start off with an evening with Beverly Luff Lynn. Lulu Danger is unhappy in her marriage and things go a little crazy when a man from her past comes back to perform in her town at an event called An Evening with Beverly Luff Lynn for one magical night only. This stars Aubrey Plaza from Ingrid Goes West, Jermaine Clement from What We Do in the Shadows, Emil Hirsch from Into the Wild, and Craig Robinson from This is the End. And think of the type of things you usually see someone like Jermaine Clement in, and this is that same sort of offbeat comedy that doesn't look super, super out there, so more of a mainstream audience would get it, but it does have that indie vibe to it. I like the look of it mainly because I really like the actors in it. And Craig Robinson is amazing. Aubrey Plaza, great. Jermaine Clement. Emil Hirsch, I like. I'm not used to him, used to him in comedies, though, but I like him as an actor. So uh, there's a lot of promise in this movie. But the problem is, and say it with me, folks, something with such a limited release and something with this subject matter, a, a non-major comedy, or at least one that doesn't look laugh-your-pants-off funny, doesn't need a theater watch. This is the the perfect movie to wait for it to come to some streaming service and then watch it and then maybe really enjoy it. But I don't think even if you really enjoy it, you would you would regret not watching it in the theaters. That's the kind of movie this is. A kind of movie that's good, but you don't you don't regret not taking time to see it. An evening with Beverly Laughlin gets a seven out of eleven. Next up this week is a film called The Night Comes For Us. Ito is a gangland enforcer who gets caught amidst a treacherous and violent insurrection within his triad crime family. And he has a change of heart when a young girl is supposed to be his next kill. This stars Ikuo Uwais from The Raid and Joe Taslim from The Raid. So basically, this is a completely different movie from The Raid but has two of the stars from The Raid and just as much awesome action. And and with a movie like this, who gives a shit about the plot? Just watch these two guys fight. Yeah, this looks perfect to watch at home one day, grab a beer, grab some friends and watch it and be entertained. Put this on after The Raid, like watch The Raid 1 and 2 to get pumped, then watch this. The Night Comes for Us gets a 7 out of 11. Next up is a film that we've talked about already, so let's just talk about it again. The next film is called The Hate You Give. Star witnesses the fatal shooting of her childhood best friend, Khalil, at the hands of a police officer. Now, facing pressure from all sides of the community, Star must find her voice and stand up for what's right. This stars Amanda Stenberg from The Darkest Minds, Regina Hall from Girls Trip, Russell Hornsby from Fences, Anthony Mackie from Captain America Civil War, Common from Suicide Squad, and Algie Smith from Detroit. And yes, I've already talked about this because back then it was more of a limited release and now it's just hitting a few more theaters. 
And my view is just now it's considered a wide release. So if you wanted to see this and it never came to came to your area, now's your time. And I can't remember what I gave it the first time. Uh, I'm not going to give more of a talk on it just because I already did that. But um, but me now, uh, I give it about an 8 out of 10. Next up is a film called Mid-90s. You may have heard of this. Stevie is a 13-year-old in 90s era LA who spends his summer navigating between troubled home life and a group of new friends that he meets at a Motor Avenue skate shop. This stars Sonny Soljic from The Killing of a Sacred Deer, Lucas Hedges from Moonrise Kingdom, and Catherine Waterston from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. This is the first feature-length film directed and written by Jonah Hill. And this really isn't what I expected from him, uh, just because of the type of movies he's done. Like, he either does, like, really funny, outrageous comedies, or he does, like, real serious sh- I know he's done, he has some movies that are in the middle, but his big ones are either one of the two. And this one looks like a kind of a slice of life coming of age comedy about this kid who hangs out with his hooligan skateboard friends who get a bad rap because yes, they're, you know, these skateboarding kids hanging out where they shouldn't and maybe not breaking any hardcore laws, but loitering and stuff like that. And his brother's like, oh, don't hang out with them. They're bad news. And as his home life gets worse and worse, this looks okay. It does. It, this, it feels like other movies that have come out kind of like this, like um, Skate. Oh, I don't care enough to look it up. But there's this movie that came out recently about a, a young girl who picks up skateboarding and hangs out with this group of skateboarders. And it's basically this known group of skateboarders who did their own movie. And then there was another one, too, about some kids skateboarding. There's been a lot of skateboarding recent movies recently going, hey, remember that was a thing? This looks interesting. It looks real. And it looks like maybe Jonah Hill can write and direct because this looks good. I'm not stoked for it. I'm not going to put it on my needs to be watch list, but it'll go there on the back burner. So if I ever see it on Netflix or Hulu, I'll go, yeah, sure. Sure, I'll watch it. It doesn't look, the, look like the kind of movie you have to see, but I bet you there's there's already a lot of buzz about it, and I bet you the buzz will just grow. So if you're already heavy into the indie movie scene, if you love movies like that, like anything that's not from the mainstream, then maybe this is for you. Mid-90s gets an 8 out of 11. All right, folks, we have two movies left, and this next movie could have been the pick of the week on any other episode. It could have been the pick of the week just because I'm really excited for it. That movie is called Can You Ever Forgive Me? This is based on the true story of Lee Israel, a formerly best-selling celebrity biographer who fell on hard times and resorted to forging letters between old writers to sell to bookstores and libraries. This stars Melissa McCarthy from The Heat, Richard E. Grant from Gosford Park, Ben Falcone, who is her husband from Tammy, and Jane Curtin from Third Rock from the Sun. So you all know my thoughts on Melissa McCarthy. I like her. I think she's funny, though I do know that people who don't like her can't see the the intricacies between her roles. Well, this is one that no matter your feelings on her, you will be able to see because this is not a typical Melissa McCarthy comedy. This is a drama. It may have a little bit of uh, a little bit of comedy in it at times, but this is a serious movie. And based on a true story about someone who was about to lose their home, couldn't keep a roof over their head, couldn't get money to eat, and one day stumbles upon this letter uh, in an old book, sells it, and goes, wait, I can claim I found these before. I could uh, I could claim that I, or I found these and sell them. I can write them myself. So she does what she, this person, Lee Israel herself in real life, claimed as her greatest work. So in this film, it looks like Melissa McCarthy gives a great 
performance. She looks fantastic in it. And this looks just really well acted, well written, well put together. This looks like it's going to be a good movie. It could have been the pick of the week just because I think it's that good, even though it doesn't normally have what I look for in a must-watch in theaters movie, even though it doesn't have that that visually pleasing or that huge topic thing like a, like a, like a Bohemian Rhapsody may not have great CG or any CG, but it's one of those movies you should see in theaters. But this one looks good enough that it could have been if a better movie for this season wasn't coming out. If you're not a fan of Melissa McCarthy, I do believe you should give this movie a shot anyway, just because it's not her standard fare, and maybe it'll make it'll help you, not make you, help you appreciate her as an actress. Can you ever forgive me? It's a 9 out of 11. And with that, folks, we are here at the pick of the week and you should know what that is from at least my hint the movie that's the pick of the week the movie that had to be the pick of the week is halloween laurie strode comes to her final confrontation with michael myers the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing spree on halloween night four decades ago this stars jamie lee curtis from halloween and judy greer from ant-man yeah you remember me talking about this movie a couple times right Basically, anytime there was news, I brought it up. And some of the news bothered me, some didn't. Uh, some of the stuff that bothered me, I did understand. Like, I understand why they're retconning things. I just wish they didn't retcon everything. Just because the story kind of got convoluted. It did. And out of all the currently existing Halloween movies, there are different ones that don't fit with the others. Like, some people believe you should watch 1, 2, and H2O. Others believe that, yes, 4 and 5 are part of it. Like, 4, 5, and 6 is, like, one chunk, but Resurrection doesn't work with that, or it does. I don't know. There's just a lot of beliefs on which ones work in a complete story. But with this movie, they retconned even number 2, which takes place directly afterwards. And all it did was just add another killing spree. And so now we're supposed to believe Michael Myers is this terrifying serial killer okay true in in halloween he killed seven people and that yeah that's a big deal but when it comes to a masked killer that is nothing so with just halloween one as canon we're to believe that like he's this big boogeyman when he's not i can totally understand how story-wise laurie strode uh was haunted by this she survived yes you killed one person and survived and she still would have been haunted but we're still we're supposed to believe that michael myers has this bigger than life reputation in this movie where all of the others except the first one have been done away with so the people behind this movie uh, danny mcbride and his writing partner who wrote this and then the guy who directed it are hoping that our memory of him, that the legacy of Michael Myers will come with us in our mind to this theater, even though all the other movies have been retconned. And yes, I'm being a little negative, but I still want to see this. This still looks really good. Because let's face it, the Rob Zombie Halloween movies were garbage. The first one had a little promise, and then maybe it got better. It will get better with number two, and then number two came out and... Rob Zombie stupid. Well, this does look like the best Halloween movie we've had in a while. And despite my reservations of all the retconning, I do understand it. And I still think this looks good. Because even though in can official canon, Michael Myers is kind of being declawed a bit, we are still going into this movie with our memories of him, keeping him as this 
slash slasher killer idol. And couple that with the fact that this is the perfect time to come out. This movie comes out just uh, a week and a half before Halloween. So this is the best time. This is my pick of the week, but maybe you want to wait until Halloween to watch this. But if you do watch any horror movie in the theaters this year, hopefully it'll be this one. Halloween gets a 10 out of 11. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we will take our final break and hear a word from our friends at the Watchmouth Podcast before we get into the question of the week. So stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the fuck did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up! How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that, a jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, we are back. We are back, and we have the question of the week to talk about. We didn't get any answers outside of the studio here, and that could be because I'm recording way early. So if you gave me an answer and I don't talk about, and I didn't talk about it today, well, it's not your fault. And it's not really my fault. I will talk about it next week. So, of course, get those answers in any time. But the question of the week was, which film could you play the lead role in? This had to be a film that was already that's already been released, and it had to be a live-action film. So you couldn't say, oh, I could do the lead voice in the Lego movie. No. No, no, no. So let's get into Anne's answer. Anne said, Sandra Bullock from The Heat. Heat, of course, or The Heat, of course, is the action comedy with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy. A a really, really funny movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Sandra Bullock is a great comedian, and working with Melissa McCarthy was amazing. And my answer, I I kind of wanted to say some of my favorite actors, like, oh, I'd love to be Matt Damon in this movie, or I'd love to be Ewan McGregor, but I really see myself playing more of a Paul Rudd-type character. And while I would be a little more humble... I'm not going to be. I'm just going straight up and say I, I, I would like to play Ant-Man. A comic book superhero with Paul Rudd's type of comedy. That would be great. And I could totally do that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget. It's never too late to answer. You can go back to the first question of the week in episode 44, 45, somewhere around there. And answer that and all of them up until now. And I will read them all off. It is never too late. But we do need a new question of the week. And I have one for you. You all know... Or maybe you maybe you don't know that sometimes a book is written to accompany a movie. No, no, I'm not talking about when a movie is based off a book. I'm talking about a book or a movie that was never a book and then a novelization is made to go along with it. Sometimes it's just uh, some cheesy way to make a quick buck for the company, but sometimes it dives deeper into the story. So let's pretend that you have the power. You have the power to commission a book from any movie that would dive deeper into the story. It's not going to be a sequel. It's not going to be anything like that. It'll just give you more of the story, more of the backstory, more of the mythos, whatever it is you love, it'll give you more. Which movie would you like a novelization for that will expand on the film? Okay, does that sound clear? Which movie would you like a novelization of 
that would expand on the film. So not a sequel, not a prequel, but just the story of the movie in book form, just with more to it. So there we go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. This has been episode 109 of Future Flicks with Billiam for the week of October 19th. Let us step into the closing housekeeping and send you along your way to all the other great podcasts you listen to. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars or a like, and you know what? Share the podcast and help the show grow. Also, leave a comment. Tell me what you think I'm doing right. Tell me what you think I need to improve on. Answer the question of the week. So leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave, leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts. Also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network and the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, great friends of the show. Don't forget to check out the site, the Somewhat Nerdy site that is, for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.